Hello, and welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy, and today we'll be talking about My Girl, which was released in the US on 27th of November 1991, and UK and Ireland on the 7th of February 1992. Uh, it was written by Loris Helowani. Hel- oh, God. <laughs> Elewani, yeah, uh, some nice lady who wrote a good script, um, and it was <laughs> directed by Howard Zeef, and it stars Dan Aykroyd, Jim Lee Curtis, Macaulay Culkin, Griffin Dunn, and Anna Klumsky. Jimmy and I have thought of problems the movie has, three problems each, and we'll discuss them. We also have thought of one positive the movie has. So, uh, what's your history with this movie? Um, my little sister used to watch it a lot when she was younger. How uh, she? Uh, she was born in 92. Oh, um, okay. She's, yeah. <laughs> so she watched it when she was about maybe six or seven. Um, she used to watch it a lot. Uh, but I think she just really liked the character of Veda. Yeah. But So I used to watch it quite a lot. Uh, and then I sort of developed a, a tolerance to it. And I, I, there was a certain point where I didn't cry. So, <laughs> but, you know. Uh, no, I, I I really like this film. I'm watching it again. I hadn't seen it in about what twenty years, maybe. Um, and I'm just reminded just how good it is. And <laughs> I was just wondering just how bad I picked this, maybe, Jen. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's the you know. Let's talk about it. What's what's your history with it? Oh my god. Um. Well, I was psyched for it to come out. Um. I. I mean, you know, I love Home Alone. Uh, I think yeah. I love it more now than when I was a kid, but I did love it. And yeah. I mean, it's not just Home Alone. Like, I loved Uncle Buck. Like, I was already a fan of Macaulay Culkin, and I liked Dan Aykroyd. And so I was really excited. And I'm pretty sure, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure I read the um, novelization first. All right. <laughs> um, I have a distinct memory of reading it, being in the backseat of the car on a car trip. I don't know where we went. I think maybe like North Carolina or something. Mm-hmm. And um, no, it was Atlanta. We had gone to Atlanta and I was reading it in the backseat. And I remember like I, I ended up using a flashlight or something to finish it because it was nighttime. Kids, kids today in car trips, they don't know. They don't know the torture <laughs> of like, you don't have a device. I didn't even have a Game Boy. Mm-hmm. I'm just like in the backseat praying I can like finish reading before uh, it gets too dark and I just remember reading the end of it and sobbing and my parents being worried about me Um, and then my mom taking me to the movies to see it when it came out because at that point it wasn't out yet and Mm. then uh, us both sobbing like and we I think I don't know I can't remember if we talked about this on or off mic last week but uh, I had mentioned something about like um, posters that I would get at the video store for like a dollar or whatever Mm. I actually for five dollars bought the big cardboard My Girl cutout oh, did <laughs> from a video store by my aunt's house where I stayed in the summer. And um, it was really big and it was awkward in my room. So it didn't stay there for – it might still be in the garage. I don't know. It didn't stay there forever. But it was like – because it was the cardboard cutout of like the two of them standing back yeah. to back. Yeah. Um, but there was also like a thing that like attached to it that was basically like a big VH – a copy of the big VHS box. Mm-hmm. Like, but it was like – it was bigger than my head. And so when I took the cardboard cutout of my room, like I kept that. And yeah. that was in my room for long. It was really cool. Anyway, I was obsessed. Um, I – it wasn't streaming for free anywhere, like for any of the services I pay for, mm-hmm. but I have it on DVD. I put the DVD in. Yeah. 
It was formatted to fit my screen. Um, I got real mad, and then I didn't notice it at all. Um, there was only one notice, one point where I noticed pan and scan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so funny because I I have the DVD. I don't think I've watched it. Like I don't think I've seen this movie since the nineties. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy. And I really thought I thought there'd be there'd be something that would be very upsetting besides the obvious. Mm-hmm. But it's a really good movie. Yes. It's such a good movie. Um, I it was it's that weird thing of like that I've discovered a few times when we've watched things where mm-hmm. I feel like oh I've seen this movie a million times I know it really well and then I'm watching it and I'm like I don't know this movie because it's been so long that like I remember ideas from it. I remembered a lot of it. And when things were happening, it's like, you know, they find, you know, her money stash. And I'm like, okay, well, Veda's going to steal the money. Like, there are things where I'm like, oh, but can I talk about, this isn't one of my problems because it isn't the movie, but can I tell you my biggest problem? Yeah. So, you know, I remember renting the movie as soon as it came out. And there was a a teaser for My Girl 2 at the beginning of it. And I was so excited for My Girl 2, which I believe I also have the novelization of. They retcon some shit Mm -hmm. and it pisses me off. And I'm one of those people that's like, you know what? If there's a sequel, you don't have to watch it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to acknowledge what happens in it. And I'm also sitting here watching it and I can't get these ideas from the sequel out of my head. I I was thinking about that as well. Yeah. There's a problem I have with the movie that I don't feel qualifies for one of my official problems because it's a problem because of the sequel. Yeah. But he says he hasn't had a date. The last date he had was 20 years ago. But in the sequel, it's like they had had a whirlwind courtship. Like mm-hmm. he met her mom and they got married immediately and she got pregnant. Like he didn't really know her very mm-hmm. well. And that really changes things it does. when you when you have that information. And I try to choose to ignore it. But it's like in the back of my head. So honestly, that's my biggest problem is like that kind of taints the movie for me a little. See, I hate the sequel because my sister used to watch the sequel as well. Because it just undoes so much, and it's just yeah. And that little kid from Last Action Hero, I can't stand that. <laughs> anyway, so one of my problems was actually going to be that this movie was so popular that it gained a sequel <laughs> that it didn't need. But it's not one of my problems. Okay. Well, it's you know I want the character, but like wanting to stay with a character isn't worth it if you if there's no good story. No, I know. I mean, it's, the story's finished in this one. There's no really, yeah. there's no real need to. That's why they had to change things because they didn't have another <laughs> story. So, well, Seinfeld was right, right? Like you got to leave them wanting more. Yeah, exactly. Um. Anyway, what's your first problem? My first problem is the relationship between um, Shelley and Harry because it happens far too fast. Mm. Uh, I know it's a movie, but this this is set over a summer. Yeah, they meet and then they go on a date and then they get engaged and then he says that they're going to set the date for the end of the summer. That's about much. <laughs> that was something that it actually. That's the only thing the sequel made better for me is that I'm like, well, this is just a dude who jumps into relationships quickly. Yeah, true. <laughs> but I don't really see any attraction or whatever from Shelley, you know, to Harry when they first meet and stuff. I don't really get the connection right away. Then she does start to sort of flirt with him and that. And it's like, mm-hmm. right, that's fair enough. But it just seems too quick for me. Yeah. I mean, it's the fact that he's, if he didn't say we're setting the wedding for the end of the summer... I would have been fine. It would have been like, right, mm-hmm. can I have a wedding next year? Yeah. It's just, I mean, this poor girl's going through enough. Well, and I think, like, with Shelly, it's it's her her interest in, sorry, what was his name? Harry. It 
seem so sudden, but I realize, like, not only is she quite taken with him, like, and I see why she's taken with him, but I think she's falling in love with Veda, too. Yeah, yeah. But then, and, this, it's so rushed that I think it's just sort of written for more conflict for Veda. Mm-hmm. I think it's just to have Veda be like, oh, you're not my mum, kind of thing. Um, and I just didn't think that was really, I don't think that was needed that much. Um, so what's what's your first problem then? Um, well, first I want to say I hate that the podcast is called So What's the Problem? Because I wish for this episode we could just do like the three things we really love about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just, because it's so good. So what's the positive? Um, my, uh, well, I found some negatives. I stretched. Uh-huh. So here's my first negative. Mm-hmm. So they go into the garage to get Veda's bike, mm-hmm. um, her and Thomas J, and they knock over um, the lid on a box of pictures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a picture of her mother in there. And they, when they, at the end of the scene, they leave the garage. They never picked up that lid. <laughs> they just left it there. They left it there like Ethan Embry just left his suitcases sitting on the other mm-hmm. side of the train station and Carolee wait. So I'm really bothered they didn't pick up the lid. Yeah. <laughs> this is a tough episode. <laughs> if, that, if that's the, the one problem you can think of. Holy shit. It is the most mild problem. Well, that's all that right helps. then. That's all right. Just to go back to what you were saying about the DVD, though, I remember we watched it in VHS. Um, and I don't know if it was the same in America, but we had a warning at the start before the movie started. Mm-hmm. It was at the beginning, just before. And it was a warning um, not to mix your blood with someone else's blood. Oh, yeah. There should have been a warning. Mm-hmm. There wasn't. There wasn't. And I think about it every time. Like, in fact, um, there was a point... I don't know if it was when I was in high school and I was becoming an HIV AIDS educator Mm -hmm. or if it was just in health class or something before that. But um, I do remember um, like because the Blood Brothers thing was like that was a thing that kids did. Yeah. And I remember that coming up at one point and I immediately thought like an AIDS uh, education and I immediately thought about um, this movie. Yeah. And yeah, it makes sense. There would be a warning because, well, first of all, that's gross. But second of all, like with HIV and AIDS, like we're still in the like at the point where it's like really, really bad. Mm -hmm. So it's it's shocking to me that even made it into the movie. I guess it's more on my mind, though, because I just rewatched like just in the last few days, rewatched the entirety of real world San Francisco. And that was the one with Pedro. Right. So like this scene was actually worse for me having just watched this whole reality show where like so much of it was about this guy living with AIDS and I'm just thinking about how irresponsible it is. Yeah. I understand that it, it's set in the 70s although for some reason I thought it was set in the 60s until I watched it last night and it said 1972 mm-hmm. and I'm like alright okay. Yeah it's set in the 70s and that is something that kids did because they didn't know about AIDS and stuff but we knew about that stuff in 1991 when the film was made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only other thing I think of besides this is, and, you know, spoilers if, you know, in the past 18 years you haven't watched the last episode of Buffy, mm-hmm. but in the last episode of Buffy, every, like, all the potentials and the slayers cut them their hands mm-hmm. um, and they use the same knife. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're opening the seal and that always bothers me and I have to remind myself, I think you don't worry about, like, Things like HIV when you're in the apocalypse and you're literally trying to save the world. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I have to remind myself, like, maybe maybe it's not a concern here. Maybe it's just a concern with my girl. Yeah. I actually remember a, um, 
I was watching a, a reactor on YouTube, watching that episode of Buffy for the first time, and they actually did bring that up because it was cut the hand and then pass it mm-hmm. over the cut, and she says, <laughs> wipe the knife. I mean, they're in a hurry to save the world. Exactly. <laughs> so my second problem is, um, at one point, Veda says, you're so retarded. Yeah, I did think about writing that down, but I thought you would. So. <laughs> um, but I, I did, I, you know, I was describing it like I was telling Dylan my problems yesterday, which he thought they were hilarious. <laughs> um, but I said, I accidentally at first said that she called him a retard. And then I was like, no, no, no. She said, you're so retarded. Mm-hmm. And that's when we both were like, you're so retarded is better than a retard. Right. Like, I hadn't thought about the levels there. That, right. Like, there, there's something about the wording that, like, yeah. isn't as bad. But uh, it is, I mean, it, and it doesn't, while I don't like any use of the word, it doesn't bother me as much as it usually does in things because it's little kids. Yeah. And it's the 70s. Yeah. And it's, it's. The movie itself, so much about it feels real, like Mm -hmm. feels realistic. And these things tend to bother me a little less when it seems like it's just realistic of like innocent kids. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's why I didn't put it in there. Not making excuses, but just that it didn't bother me the way it, the the way it did like when I'm watching 16 Candles, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Um, no, I know, but it's, I just I'm sitting here just enjoying the fact that you're talking yourself out of your problems. <laughs> the movie is like the whole like concept of this, you know, podcast is you go back and you watch things you loved when you were younger, yeah. and you see that they're not as great as you thought they were in most yeah. cases. And I think as far as going back and watching things you loved when you were a kid, this is about as perfect as it gets. Yeah, this is yeah, it's a good film. There's no denying it. This podcast is actually giving me a little bit of hope because when mm-hmm. we started doing this and we, you know, started kind of thinking about what movies we wanted to do, I was like, well, this is going to be a journey to like like I need to face the fact that um things change over time mm-hmm. and that um things that I loved when I was a kid just they're never going to be as good. And like, Mm -hmm. this is just a really good movie. Like it's, it's nice. It's nice that like time hasn't ruined. Yeah, that's true. Everything. Yeah. And growing up hasn't ruined everything. Like, cause this isn't like a good kids movie or whatever. Like this is a good movie. And it was actually kind of shocking to me when I went into Rotten Tomatoes and saw the critic score. 53%. It, 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 I didn't expect to see that little green splat. Um, I mean, the audience score was 77. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, but you also have to consider like the reviews because they usually take, I saw a few more modern ones, but because they're taking from older reviews and this is still a problem in the critic community, but like, especially back in the early 90s, it's going to be almost exclusively straight white men who like are, are going to shit on sentimentality. Mm hmm. You know, and that's... Yeah, or a kid's film. This is also part of a genre that I love from the um, 90s, where it was like, you'd have these movies that took place, usually in the 50s or 60s, um, that were like kind of coming of age. Like, it seemed like so many of them took place like over a summer. Like, I think the war took place over summer. Do you remember the war? Yeah. Like, that kind of movie where it's like, this must have been what my parents went through. Where now I, I, I look back and it's like, well, my dad was like, 
in his mid thirties in 1972. So, but when you're a kid, like, cause this is only 10 years before I was born, but when you're a kid, Mm -hmm. it might as well be 50. The war, is that the one with Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner, like he's come back from, yeah, he's come back from Vietnam war and he's got like issues. Yeah. And Elijah, Elijah Wood was almost cast as Thomas J. All right. Okay. I, I was reading I was reading the casting that almost happened mm-hmm. and a lot of them made sense to me but I think the casting of this movie is perfect like they almost cast Chevy Chase but they weren't sure he would be able to do drama mm-hmm. um I feel like there were there were a couple other people where I'm like I could kind of see that um but Dan Aykroyd's perfect mm-hmm. and um with Macaulay Culkin I mean they cast him because he was a name Right. Yeah. Like that's it's like, well, first they offered it to Charlie Cosmo and he turned it down for Hook. Oh, right. OK. But in like normally I'm like with Veda, I think it's perfect that this is um, Anna Klumsky's first role. Yeah. I think having having someone you aren't familiar with in that role is good. And I'm I'm generally a fan of that kind of casting. But I honestly think that casting Macaulay Culkin as a name mm-hmm. Because he's a name was really really smart, and I it think was. he's really good in this. He's really good in this movie. He's really like, sweet. He's, he's just he's so not likeable. playing the smartass no. we're used to, right? Yeah. Like I was shocked at how amazing he is in this movie. He's really and good. I it's good that it's Kevin McAllister because, I mean, I he's good enough just on his own without mm-hmm. the like baggage that we bring into it. Mm-hmm. But he's so familiar to us. Yeah. That it's like the pain they want to cause us when yeah. they made this movie exactly. is so much stronger. God, I was texting my friend Jessica like while I was watching the last like 15 minutes mm-hmm. yesterday. And I was just like, why would they do this to us? We were only children. <laughs> it's good to teach kids about certain things. And it's genius casting Macaulay Culkin in that role. Um, because... Thomas J dies in the most ridiculous fucking way, but you know, I hate bees. I know, <laughs> but it's just it's good to show kids that that happens, that death is a thing, um, and to have it happen to somebody as famous as Macaulay Culkin at the time in a movie is just a stroke of genius. Yeah, because kids have been watching it for Macaulay Culkin. You know that kid got a million dollars for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he was he was a big deal. I mean, we spoke about this in um, the Good Son. He was just massive at the time. I mean, it just blows my like. It's not surprising because of his status, but like, he was a small child. Like he was like eleven. Yeah. Oh man. So I just looked because you know I had to. That's almost two million dollars in today's money. Yeah. yeah. Also, that that thirty five dollars for the writing class is yeah. uh, two hundred and seventeen dollars. See, I now. was going to ask you that. Yeah. I Which forgot, is a lot of money. That's a lot of money, like for a writing for, class, and for I mean, not even not for an adult writing class, but it's a lot of money for a kid to ask for and steal, and it's a lot of money for a woman, a single woman living in a camper. Yeah, but it's only thirty five dollars back then, though. So it's not, you know, it's not. We're thinking of it as two hundred dollars, but it's not. It's only thirty five. Yeah, so, but it's I, what I'm saying is it's like it's a lot then because thirty five dollars right now doesn't seem like that much to me, right? Yeah. But if you think about it in terms of like time has passed and it used to be a different, it, that yeah. used to mean something different. That's why her dad says no because it is considered yeah. a lot of money back then. 
<laughs> I mean, that's what that's one of the reasons why I like the inflation calculator, because I'm also like looking at it and I'm like, OK, well, I need to understand if I think if I personally think that Harry is being unreasonable, because if I think of thirty five dollars the way I think of it now, I think he's being kind of a dick. Yeah. Be- especially since he ignores her all the time, like give her something to do in the summer. Right. Yeah. But if I look at it and think, oh, well, you know, that's the equivalent of like, you know, over two hundred dollars, like. I'm like, okay, well, I could see that. (laughs) I mean, I still think he should do it because this poor girl. Yeah, give her something to do. But that's, I mean, that's the thing as well that I don't really like Harry at the start, but you're not supposed to, I don't think. I mean, he's broken. He's like that. And I I wonder, I on because I genuinely have no idea. I wonder what it is. How common that is with men mm-hmm. whose wives have died, especially if the wives died during childbirth. Yeah. So they were never there because that's not a role that men, especially back then, are prepared to take on. Um, Like, just society doesn't prepare men for the idea that, like, you're going to be the parent. You're going to be the only one. Mm-hmm. Um. And like, and especially like with the way men are raised emotionally. Yeah. I soften up to him a little when they talk about the fact that like, it's, it sounds like he's gotten worse since her grandmother has started to decline. Yeah. That this isn't, cause there's that, that part where like at the beginning you're like, has he been this way her entire life? I know. But if it's only been a couple years, that makes it a little easier to, to swallow. Yeah. It's still um, not good, considering it's not. It's not yeah. good, but like but, he's. Well, that's the reason why I'm not putting him in one of my problems, you know, because yeah. yeah so, and I just looked and I had marked it out, but fast engagement was one of my problems initially, which right. is maybe more important than it the lid on the box. Me. But the lid on the box really bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, what, what's your third problem? Um, I haven't said my second problem. Oh, yet. I thought you said your second. <laughs> no. Um, my second problem is um, I like the score to this movie. Mm-hmm. It's sweet. It's really nice. Um, and I remember when the movie came out, you could buy the the single "My Girl," and mm-hmm. then on the other, the the B side was the theme to "My Girl," the music score. But mm-hmm. so that was good. I liked that. But um, there's one bit of the score I really don't like. And it's where Veda has got the makeup on and she's coming out and she's pretending, you know, she's doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the music sort of like sort of mock sexy sort of music. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking they're over-sexualizing a child or anything because it's supposed mm-hmm. to be, you know, just silly. But I don't like it because it's silly. <laughs> I don't like that piece of music because it's ridiculous and it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. I really struggled to find problems in this movie. I think the the reason the music works for me is because I think if she comes out and walks like that, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I feel like it, it helps the scene for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if she came out to, like, no score or regular score, it just wouldn't, I don't know. Maybe they should have used a pop song. Yeah, maybe. It's a bit OTT for me, that part. <laughs> um, but... I don't know what I thought your second problem was, but I thought you'd already listed it. Yeah, no, I have. <laughs> well, I have now. Um, yeah. So what's your third? Okay. This is my biggest problem with the movie. Okay. Um, this is this is the problem. I don't like how much I cry. It is very, very upsetting to me. Um, I And the thing is, it's been so long since I've seen it that I didn't remember exactly when he dies, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I didn't realize I was watching the scene before he dies. And it's that scene where they're in the street and they're saying goodbye. And she, he asks her if things don't work out with the teacher. Yeah. If she would think of him. And I immediately started crying. Yeah. And I, I wish I'd looked at the time because I don't know how much time was left in the movie after that. There's still about 20 minutes or something. I didn't stop crying for 25 or 30 minutes. Right. And then um, and then I was okay for a few minutes. And then I went into my husband's office to talk to him about the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was telling him about how I started crying in that scene. And then I was talking about it, started crying again. And uh, it was not great. I mean, I think maybe I needed it. Although, as you know, I had a terrible rest of my day. Yeah. So it doesn't help that I had to, in the morning, spend like 30 minutes crying over yeah. this fictional character. But um, it it was nonstop. It was, n- there was not a breath to be taken during that time. And at one point, like, I'm sitting there, it's the funeral scene. I'm... I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I'm just wrecked. I'm texting my friend Jessica talking about how traumatized I currently am. And she's relating because she, oh God, at least I didn't make Xander watch it. Yeah. Jessica, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember like, let's see, her son is like 16. So I think maybe he was like eight or nine when she watched it with him. And right. that was years ago. And I still remember her texting me and being like, I shouldn't have, <sighs> I either shouldn't have shown this to my kid or I should have prepared him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause he was not okay. But so while I was watching it, my kid was in his room uh, playing Minecraft and talking to his friend on messenger. Mm-hmm. And he ran through the room during this funeral scene to get something and he, he doesn't like it when I cry. He gets really upset when I cry. Yeah. And but his friend was on on a call. <laughs> and so like I could I noticed him looking away from me the entire time he was in. Like he had seen it and he yeah. was trying to ignore it. And I like on the one hand I thought it was good because he didn't need to see how wrecked I was by this movie. Yeah. Um but I also really wanted a hug. <laughs> <laughs> It, oh god it was so awful it's and he's going back to get the mood ring i know it's very manipulative in a way it um, is but it's still very well done oh man and i'm i'm not gonna get it but i'm looking across the room my jewelry box i meant to get something to show it to you uh, right since we're on zoom um there was this mood ring and i still mm-hmm. have it in my jewelry box there was this mood ring that i found at the mall and um it looked it, it was the same shape as hers unfortunately it was uh fluorescent orange because it's the 90s right um but oh god i wanted a mood ring just like hers and my cousin who like he was the closest thing i had to a brother Mm -hmm. um i spent summers like his his mom would take care of me in the summer so um i was over there a lot um but for christmas that year which it must have been unless it was the next year like it must have just been a month after this movie came out he got me that mood ring Oh. And it meant so much to me. And I don't, I should message him after this because I don't think I ever told him how much it meant to me. Because I was a kid, like, yeah. I'm trying to play it cool. But, oh man, and the thing is so scratched up. It's, it's the, the fluorescent paint is like chipped. It looks <laughs> awful. But like, I wanted to be Veda so much. And, oh, and, 
Anna Klumsky, like, she was so adorable, like, mm-hmm. with those eyes and the lips. So it's like, not only do I want to be this character, because I think she's awesome, but, like, I want to look like her, right? Yeah. And so I'm sitting there watching this movie yesterday, and I'm 39 years old, and I still want to be her. <laughs> I still want to look like her. And now, I, have you seen her lately? She's gorgeous. Yeah, I've seen her, yeah. She was on Veep. She, you know, I was so disappointed when she kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I had seen her in is she was in an episode of Cupid. All right. In the 90s. And then she went and I kind of like tracked her her as much as you could mm-hmm. in the in the early 2000s. Like she wrote for Zagat, for the Zagat Guide for a while, doing like restaurant reviews. All right. Um uh and then she got back into acting and one of the first things she did was she did four episodes of the reboot of Cupid. Um <laughs> Which I liked, but, uh, and that God, then she went to do Veep mm-hmm. and she's perfect on Veep. And it's like, I love it. I love when child actors walk away mm-hmm. and take some time, go to college, figure out if they even want to be acting and then come back. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's amazing watching this. And like the last time I saw it, it was probably, I was like, well, I'll never see that actress again. Yeah. And now it's like, She's doing work, and she's doing good work. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I was watching it, and I was wondering if, um, like, when she asks Shelley if she's pretty, and mm. then Shelley says, you know, you're very pretty, you've got these gorgeous eyes, and she lists everything. I wonder if that was, because that couldn't have been in the script. Yeah. Because it's, you know, describing Anna Klumsky. So I'm, I'm assuming that maybe that was either written once they cast her, or that was something just off the top of the head for Jamie Lee Curtis to say, you know? Maybe it was Jamie Lee Curtis actually saying, you've got these. Because it sounds it sounds very genuine, mm-hmm. like something that person would say, so. The crazy thing is, is I was reading about it, and um, this, uh, like, uh, I guess a lot in the script was changed once they cast people, because mm-hmm. Thomas J wasn't in it that much. Right. But he, but the actors had such good chemistry that they wrote it, it's so weird to me to, like because that movie to me so much of it is her and thomas J. like their yeah. friendship is so fantastic mm. and so true to how it is with kids right yeah. like it's so rare like especially in the past like for boys and girls to be best friends at that age and the fact that like they are best friends and they love each other so much but she's still like ew he's not my boyfriend yeah. right like it's and oh god and i love that judy Becomes her friend of the end. Yeah, that's really oh, nice. Oh, God. That's really nice. And, that, and it contributes to the crying, which is such a big problem for me. Like, yeah. it's like, it's not, I'm fine crying at movies. It's the movies where it's like they're holding me hostage yeah. for like a half hour where they're like, you're going to cry forever. A slight problem I have with his death scene, though, is the whole mood ring thing. Because the setup, a few scenes before that, mm-hmm. Um, actually, it takes a while. I'm quite, uh, you know, um, she loses the, the mood ring, and then um, they run away, and then the mood ring's not mentioned at all. Yeah. Like it's not even. She doesn't tell anyone I lost my mood ring. It's not mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. She doesn't say I want to go back and get it at some point. It's just forgotten about until that scene where Thomas J goes to get it, and that just seems a bit sort of. Um, shoehorned in it's like right we'll have to kill off Thomas J so let's you know get I but- my interpretation was always I mean because when he asks if she'd consider him it's like I think it's like this moment where you realize he loves her yeah and that like it's like 
and he's kind of just said it in a way mm-hmm. and it's it's a gesture yeah that it's like maybe he's gonna come to her with this ring and i don't know i don't know what the plan is no, but I like know, i think that's what it is but it's just the fact that the the it takes a long time for the ring to get lost and him finding the ring and dying without any mention of the ring and that just you know story-wise that's just a bit thingy for me but you know Small problem that doesn't mean anything, right? So my third problem is the scene with the the ex, the ex husband, and Dan Aykroyd punches mm-hmm. him in the gut. You know, mm-hmm. um, that happens and it's broad daylight. He punches him in the gut, and then it cuts away to the guy, the ex boy, the ex husband, and his friend driving away, and Shelley saying goodbye to him, and it's night time. What happens between the punch and yeah. him driving away? Because it must be a couple of hours at least. It just is. I'm gonna guess. I hadn't thought about that, but I'm yeah. gonna guess there's some calming down. Uh, Dan Aykroyd probably has to apologize a little, and then there's probably some negotiating about the camper. Yeah, but it's just... because it would, it would. I mean, like, and I, I understand that's awkward. Yeah. but it would all. It would almost be just as awkward if it seemed like he drove off right after that happened, because there is still a property dispute there. No, I know, but um, they could have said something like, um, "She can keep the camper." Yes, yes, and then that's it. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I I wonder if there's a deleted scene. There it might be. Yeah, I don't know. I really like, there's not that much I'm... in the way of like um. I mean, there's no extras in the DVD or anything in this movie. It's no, quite sort of and I. I'm thinking, because I don't want to, I who knows when I'll get into storage and find it. Like, I'm thinking about ordering that novelization. <laughs> because I was looking, I was looking online, like I saw, um, it was on, it was listed on Goodreads. And I was looking at the reviews. And apparently, many, many women of my generation <laughs> read this book. Yeah, Many read it before even seeing the movie. Yeah. Like I did. And um, someone had, had written that there was a scene in the book, like they watched the movie and they, they're like, where's the scene where they have the peeing contest? And they realized it was in the book, mm-hmm. but it wasn't in the movie. And the book, you know, novelizations usually, and this is the case with this one, it goes off the shooting or the, the script. The original script, yeah. Like even, even before they've, sometimes before they've even filmed the movie. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, back in the day before DVD, that's where you get your deleted scenes, mm-hmm. right? Like, if I want to watch, there's a specific deleted scene. If I want to watch a deleted scene from Clueless, got to read the novelization. Yeah. Um, and I would love to read the book and see what is what is in there that is not in the movie. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned this when we were doing the episode, um, but I've got the novelization for The Good Son. Did I mention that? I think you did mention yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That was a thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was a long time before I realized that there was a difference between novelization and a book being something a movie was based on. Yeah. And I, I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure it was elementary school. If not, it was like sixth grade. I was really young. I read the novelization of uh, Hand the Rocks the Cradle. <laughs> there was a novel. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. There was a novelization for everything. So My mom had it. Yeah. I remember watching this when I was a kid, and she has a crush on her teacher, and I'm like, that dude is old. I never understood how girls mm. could have crushes on grown ass men i didn't get it i still don't get it like yeah. i remember i was in eighth grade i was god i had to sit next to this new girl who was like popular and outspoken and weird and she would ask me weird questions 
and I was not comfortable with her. And I remember one day she asked me what I thought of Brad Pitt. And I barely knew who Brad Pitt was. Like, it was like all of a sudden people were talking about him. Yeah. I don't know if, like, Interview with a Vampire had just come out or what. But, like, all of a sudden I was kind of hearing his name places and seeing him in my mom's People magazines. But mm-hmm. I don't think I'd even seen him in anything. And she asked me what I thought about him. And I'm just like... Instead of being like, I'm not familiar. I don't have an opinion. You know, I do that mm-hmm. kid thing where you're just like, I don't, I don't, ca- I don't care for him. I don't like him. She's like, Do you think he's cute? And I'm like, Eh, could do better. <laughs> um, and she made fun of me and called me a lesbian. And like, I just remember at the time being like, Isn't he old? And he was probably yeah. in his twenties. Yeah. But like, when you're, you know, thirteen or whatever, that seems old. Yeah. And I just, I remember it was a thing I saw in TV movies and I saw in real life, like friends being like, oh, I have a crush on like Brandon from 90210 mm-hmm. or something. I'm like, but he's like, I was very much like, I'm sticking within like a year of my age, <laughs> which when you're a kid is a big amount of time. Yeah. And I never got it. And I found it gross. Like, I just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing I couldn't really relate to with Veda is that she had a crush on this guy in his mid thirties. Yeah. What is that? I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, this is written by a woman and I don't know much about her, but I'm assuming maybe that's something that she had experience of, that maybe she I had mean, a crush on a teacher, so... It's clearly a common thing. Yeah, it's and just... And I, I just... I've, I've never understood it. Yeah, right. So what is your positive? I'm not allowed to say the whole movie, right? No, you're not. No. That's one of the rules. I need to write the rules down. Right. <laughs> It's my pouty face. I know. It doesn't work for podcasts, but it's too easy. It's too easy to see the whole movie more covering something like this. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Anna Klumsky. That's mine too. This is her first movie, and she's so good. She's so perfect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you believe, and it's so good that it's her first movie because you can't reference anything else and so instead of it being like well here's macaulay culkin playing this character it's like well this is veda yeah which probably hurt her later i'm sure Mm. but it's it's veda and she she just oh she's so good and she's so dang cute (laughs) she's so stinking cute in this movie she's really good Uh, she i mean how much talent she has (laughs) at that age um, and just how well she just slips into that character, you know, and it's like, that's her first movie, it's such, you know, and also the character's sort of written a little bit, I don't know, sometimes it's like, I, I don't like it when adults write kids saying big words and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's like maybe some things that kids wouldn't say, but she sells it. Yeah. So, and you know, she says, I'm hemorrhaging instead of I'm bleeding you know well she also lives in a house where like she hears words kids don't hear yeah exactly yeah oh god it's she's so good and her wardrobe is also perfect I feel like that needs to be spoken to like it's that (laughs) I I didn't realize it when I was little but I now understand that it's supposed to be like showing how different she is Mm -hmm. right that she's like a little more tomboy than than other girls but oh god she just she and I one thing I love about the wardrobe is you see her wearing some of the same things multiple times Mm -hmm. I hate in TV and movies that most of the time people have wardrobes that it's like it's a different outfit every scene especially on a tv show because in real life you have like 
so few articles of clothing Mm. and out of everything you have, like so many people only wear certain things. Right. So like I have an extensive, extensive collection of Mm t-shirts, like at least like there's a ton in storage, but I probably have at least 40 or 50 in my room. Right. But usually I'm just rotating the same five. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's, that's just how it works. And my so-called life really ruined me because on that show, they wore the same stuff all the time. And they had they had a closet. Each character, teen character, had a closet. And mm-hmm. when they were deciding what outfit to wear for for that day, the, you know, the day where things are taking place, they picked out the outfit themselves. And it's mm-hmm. the 90s. It's There's grunge is big. So there's a lot of, like, mismatched stuff. And so they're, they're, like, taking their clothes and mixing them up. So you really, like, that's one of the reasons you felt like you could relate to them. Because they look real. Mm-hmm. And then you watch something like Dawson's Creek and it's like, why you got so many outfits, Joey Potter? <laughs> yeah. I'm and not, it's annoying. And it's, it's a rare thing you see in movies. It's so rare that like I really notice it. Like um, I haven't seen Cheaper by the Dozen <laughs> since mm. it came out. But I remember that you saw those kids in the same clothing multiple times. Mm. And this is one of those movies. Like she has this like peasant blouse mm-hmm. that she wears multiple times that I coveted as a kid. I think that's the one she's wearing when she's the sexy, mock sexy music yeah. playing. Yeah. And she wears it like I think maybe she's wearing it with overalls at one point. Like she's mm-hmm. wearing it in like different configurations. And that may this movie, like I said before, it feels real. Mm-hmm. And that's a big wardrobe's a huge part of it. So yeah. oh, and it's weird seeing Jamie Lee Curtis with long hair. Mm-hmm. As actually, yeah. like I, you see her like Laurie Strode has longer hair. Yeah, so but I'm it's, used to it's that. Mostly just sort of like um, shoulder length. Yeah, but this was long. Yeah, she looked kind of like my sister-in-law. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a couple of things that I want to say that I've noted down that weren't problems, but I was I was going to say something about the name Veda. But mm-hmm. I decided not to because it's actually mentioned in the film. And she likes her name, so I'm not going to say anything mm-hmm. about it. Um, but the fact that the, the hippie chick thought it would be perfectly okay to talk about sex like two seconds after a child walked into the room mm-hmm. is a bit sort of weird. And uh, I'm sort of torn in the way that the movie sort of presents dementia mm-hmm. um, with the grandmother. Because um, yeah. it's sort of played a couple of times as sort of quirky mm-hmm. a couple of times when she starts singing it's sort of played for laughs kind of and i don't really like that yeah but it's it's not see why did right why didn't they just kill off the grandmother instead of thomas j come on <laughs> it's right oh. there <laughs> because it wouldn't be as heartbreaking because she's like an old woman who has dementia so if she dies you're kind of like well it was her time it was not thomas j's time but she's 11 she wouldn't know any different. She, well, she would, but she would still be upset because it was her grandmother. I um, really hope but, she yeah. visits Thomas J's mom. I know. I haven't seen the sequel in a while. Maybe is that? Maybe that's I doubt a thing. it. I don't know. I hope so. It's in or my it head. Mentioned. She goes to visit her some because yeah. oh god, in that she's so good in that scene where she's watching Thomas with his mom. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't have to say anything, and you know what she's thinking. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. It, this movie is so heartbreaking. Like, why did they do this to children? I know. They actually had to do a screening for child psychologists, because child, like there was a concern 
that kids were going to be traumatized by this. And they had to put out a message from child psychologists saying, like, it's okay to take your children to see it. And it, it is important. Like, I think that if you're a kid who hasn't dealt with death yet, especially if you haven't really faced the fact that children die, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it probably it's it's probably much healthier than having a friend actually die. I know. But God, it's like, it's really recently, my kid asked me, like, he said something about how kids can't die. I'm like, yeah, kids can die. And I'm like, maybe he needs to see this movie. Yeah. The sequel, which I haven't seen in a while, but it's, um, she does talk about Thomas J. And he is, like, mentioned in the whole thing with the mood ring, with that wee mm-hmm. bastard fame last action hero pretends he's lost it or thrown it in a tar pit or some shit. <gasps> oh, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, that we'll do that maybe one day because he's gonna be the top. Oh of the god, I'm angry problem. again. Oh my god, like my heart is pounding. I'm so mad. <laughs> uh, we should have done that movie instead. Um, but <laughs> well, I w- I would have loved a double feature. I almost I almost yeah. rented My Girl Two after this because I'm like, I need to be reminded. So maybe we should we should after some time passes do it again. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do, do the, the next, next one. We'll do the next one because yeah. I've got it streaming here in this country. So. The next movie we are going to do, Jen, mm-hmm. and this is Jen's first time hearing this, so I can see her face. Um, we're going to do The Lost Boys. Okay. Oh, oh. cool. I <laughs> was not expecting that reaction, but yes, we're going to do The Lost Boys next. I've only seen it once, but I really, really liked it. Nice. And after I saw it, I went and bought it on DVD, and then I haven't watched the DVD. Okay, so, that's good. Um, yeah, see, I... Good thing about this podcast, you're getting to watch DVDs you haven't watched or <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, I do this thing like I'll watch a movie, I'll really like it, I'll go buy it, and then I never touch it again. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my uh, Karate Kid trilogy box set is still in the wrapping. Try <laughs> Kid. Lost Boys from 1987 is next. Oh God, there's a killer sax solo in that movie. I love a sax solo. <laughs> I don't remember much about the movie because it's been a while, but I remember yeah. a saxophone. No, we'll do that next. I'm not sure there's any problems in it. I'm sure there must be. Oh, I'm sure there is. 1987, I'm sure there's like an F word in there somewhere or... and Oh, and Edward Herman's in it. He is. Yes. The late, great Edward Herman is in oh. it. So That's all we have time for. If you want to follow the podcast at Drop the Pilot Pod... On Twitter, shiftybench.co.uk is the website. Contact at shiftybench.co.uk is the email address. Where can people find you on the internet, Jen? Um, I tweet from at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. And I also have a Party of Five Rewatch podcast called uh, Closer to Free. Excellent. So thank you all for listening and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.